All right, this is how important the four-step is. The four-step is going to be my first experience in deep, in deep self-examination, productive self-examination. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M., I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Greetings, lads and lassies. From Studio AA, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of Mr. Chris S. That you heard at the beginning of this year episode number 331 of Sober Speak, and you are in for a treat. You're going to be hearing so much more from him in just a moment, but... First things first, this here episode is made possible by Anne and Donna and Jim, my friend Jim, Kyle, Terry, and Todd. What you may ask, did Anne and Donna and Jim and Kyle and Terry and Todd do? Well, they were gracious enough to go to our humble little website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So thank you so much, Ann and Donna and Jim and Kyle and Terry and Todd. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. If you're feeling a little bit restless, irritable, and discontent today, well, we are helped to get you back on the beam, maybe point you more in the direction of being happy and joyous and free. And we are so glad you have joined us. If you're not following us on Instagram, the gram, as as cool people called it, uh, we're at at SoberSpeak, all one word. I encourage you to go by there. And give us a follow. Uh, there's at least two, three posts a week. Uh, the wonderful Miss Cassandra puts those out, and they're great posts. And I'm sure that you would benefit from them. To, uh, so cruise on by and give us a mm, a try. Not a try. Give us a give us a follow at Instagram. Thanks a lot. So. Right before I got on here, I was just kind of praying about it. And I thought, is there anything that I want to share that's been on my mind this week? Uh, and you know what it comes down to is I was, uh, I, I've been thinking about this. And that is, I always thought in the back of my mind, getting sober, that if I had, I don't know, the right job, the right, the right, uh, number in the bank, uh, the right house, maybe if I were able to resolve some health, health, excuse me, health issues, uh, perhaps if I got married, had a couple of kids, that I, all my problems would go away and it would be smooth sailing from there. But I have found out uh, through experience and trial and error that that is not the case. The only thing it seems to make me hmm, satisfied, I guess Mick Jagger, I, I, I can't get no satisfaction. The only thing that does bring me satisfaction, though, is to be 
grateful for what I have today, uh, to somehow to be able to live in the now with the God of my understanding. And when I'm able to concentrate on helping others and being of service to others, as opposed to just thinking about myself all day long, as it says in the big book, relieve me of the bondage of self. When I'm able to do those things, that is when I experience peace, then and only then. Anyway, for that's for what that's worth, uh, I don't know if anybody needed to hear that today, but I think I needed to hear myself say it out loud. Now, on to our featured guest of the week. We have Chris S. from Blairstown, New Jersey. Uh, today, Chris is going to be talking, and by the way, if you haven't heard Chris previously, He's had steps one, two, and three, and he also did something called the 12 Inconveniences of AA, and he also did his story. So go back and listen to uh, previous episodes of Chris on Sober Speak. Uh, he is absolutely fantastic. Nonetheless, uh, he is back this time, and he is stuck discussing the fourth step of Alcoholics Anonymous. We call this one Step 4 of AA Deep Self-Examination. Chris touches on the three inventories that include resentment, fear, sex, and sex. Now, it also includes examining our contact within our, excuse me, not contact, oh, <laughs> little slip of the tongue there, our conduct within our relationships and not just sexual relationships. He talks about manifestation of self or the manifestations of self, I should say. The nine questions on page 69 to ask ourselves, the boomerang effect is what he calls it, and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Chris S. discussing step four of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy, Mr. Chris S. Okay, everybody. So we are, oh man, my voice is already going out. So we are sitting here today with Mr. Chris S. And Chris, I'm going to have you go ahead, introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm going to try to do as little talking as possible. Have you introduce yourself and then give your sobriety date if you wish and tell people where you live once again in this great land of ours, please. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. You know, f uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you for uh, for putting this format up and all the work that you do on these podcasts, as well as all the other things that you do on your site. Uh, a lot of people out there are are being helped because of that. And, uh, you know, you know, thank you for that. My, my name is uh, Chris. Uh, I, my sobriety date is uh, somewhere on or around December 28th, 1989. So I'm coming up on 34 years sober. Uh, I live in a little town called Blairstown, uh, New Jersey. And the, uh, the topic of uh, today's talk is step four. And if it's all right with you, John, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into step four. Yeah, that sounds great. And just so everybody knows, uh, I uh, my my voice is lacking a little bit today, but I'm not gonna be doing most of the talking anyway. So we went ahead and got on here, and decided to uh, uh, record an episode. But you take right off, and I'll just kind of uh, fill in with some questions as I have them. Okay. Ab absolutely, absolutely. So, so step four uh, is an inventory now. Now, just briefly to recap the first three steps and to put step four into context, step one is, is an admission. It's an admission that I have a condition called alcoholism. The condition uh, called alcoholism, as it's defined in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, is uh, an obsession of the mind coupled with an allergy of the body. And that equates to powerlessness. So what does that, what does that mean? Uh, the obsession of the mind is no matter how hard I'm trying, I, I can't end up separating from alcohol for good and for all. Maybe there's brief periods of time that I can stay sober, but alcohol always goes back in my body. That's just a condition that I have. And, and that should, until I got exposed to Alcoholics Anonymous, it, it just, it, it was getting worse and worse. Now that's coupled with, um, a control problem. 
I can't seem to control the amount that I drank. Uh, I end up getting tongue-chewing, knee-walking, not able to operate my own pants zipper drunk <laughs> way more often than I want to. <laughs> now, now that, that wouldn't be so bad, but there's a dash that my life had become unmanageable. And, and I believe the best way for me to describe the unmanageability of life as it related to me is I had a toxic experience of self-consciousness. I was resentful. I had self-centered fear. I had anxiety. I had depression. I just was not comf comfortable with myself or my environment. And I seemed to, you know, head toward alcohol quite often just to be able to cope. So that's a brief, you know, sketch of step one. Bill puts 60 some pages together uh, on, on step one. And I gave you a couple of sentences, but you know, that that's an outline of step one. Step two is I need to become willing that there's a, that there's a solution, some kind of solution. And for me, it was looking around Alcoholics Anonymous. I looked around and I saw people who at least were saying they drank like me. They had an experience, they had experiences like me and they don't drink anymore. So, so I started to, uh, I started to believe that there might be a way out for me. You know, step three uh, was an evolution for me. You know, in the beginning, it was uh, step three was making the decision to go to meetings. Then it was making a decision to get a sponsor. Then it was making decision to do the 12 steps. And, and finally, what it's evolved into is making a decision to try to live a spiritual life and rightly relate myself to my creator. And, and that's, you know, the way I see step three today. Now let's, let's look, let's look at step four. If, if, if I'm in real trouble and, and, you know, I don't have the power to get out of trouble, but there is a power, there is a power that I can, I can rightly relate myself to. Uh, and if I make a decision to do that, I've got a shot at this thing. What is the first thing they're asking you to do? Now, here, here's, an interest, here's an interesting piece. In the book Alcoholics Anonymous, it says that selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Mm -hmm. So underneath my drinking is a condition, and that's the condition that offers me powerlessness. And that condition is this selfishness and self-centeredness. It says selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Um, it says that we're self-will run riot, though we usually don't think so. And then there's, there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful line here that basically says self manifested in various ways is what had defeated me. So Bill is pretty clear that the underlying condition of alcoholism is this toxic experience of self-consciousness. So, uh, so what do, how do, what do I do? What, you know, what is the program of recovery? What, what are the steps that I need to take to, to move from this self-consciousness into what they describe as God consciousness? Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could work those steps the first time and it took away all of that selfishness, right? Uh, we're just, it's like you're just, you're, you're just uh, getting the tip of the iceberg and you don't even know it at the time. Yeah, it, it's true. But, but, but the demonstration of making an attempt to do this is what seems to give us you know, give a, give us the reprieve mm -hmm. from the obsession to drink alcohol. That's a and, very and yet, good way to look at it. I never thought about it that way. It's just the attempt. It, yeah. Just, just that demonstration. But you are right, John, you are absolutely right that this is a lifetime. This is a lifetime job. But if various manifestations of self are what had defeated me, the first thing they asked me to do is inventory the various manifestations of self, especially the most, the most devastating, you know, the most impactful areas of self that defeat me. And, and you've heard this many, many times, right? Uh, you know, that we, the self-reflection that we need an unexamined life isn't worth living. You know, this isn't, this isn't, just Alcoholics Anonymous, most philosophies, most most religious uh, traditions ask us 
to go inside and and to really really look at what is what is going on in our personality how is our how is our behavior uh relating you know to the rest of the world so so the first thing they ask us to do is an inventory and it's basically a three part inventory uh and it's the three main manifestations of self that have defeated me now I don't know about you, but I had, I was crippled with resentments uh, when I first walked into the doors of recovery. I, I was crippled with them. I, I was mad at everybody and everything. And, and I, I have a, you know, it's, it's certainly because uh, my optics are from this, this self-consciousness, this self-centeredness, you know, that, that's, that's the way I'm looking at the world. And if I'm looking at the world that way, things aren't working out for me. You know, people aren't, people aren't behaving the way they should for me to be happy. (laughs) And and it's a very childish way to relate yourself to the world with this massive amount of resentment. But, but I had this resentment. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, when I was drinking, I would come to in the morning, John, I'd pick my head up off the pillow. And the first thought that would go through my mind is this, oh, bastards (laughs) bastards <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you, you know what i mean like like and and when you start your day like that and you know i can't believe they did that to me 10 years ago right you know you, you, you know what i mean it's 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 like you're caught up in a groundhog day like <laughs> existence of being mad you know and 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 it's it's toxic and it, it contributes, it contributes to, um, it contributes to this, to the, to the, the spiritual illness of alcoholism, having this resentment. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Now there's many, many ways to do a four step. You know, it used to be like, like when I started going to treatment centers, you know, in the eighties, you know, each treatment center would have its own four step. And, and, and look, you know, I have seen, I've seen stuff before the seventies that was basically asset liability lists. And then there's some people in the seventies who started to take the book Alcoholics Anonymous literally and, and started to use it as a text and started to follow the instructions in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and that's where I am today. And the, and the only reason I'm there today is because I've tried many of these things. And the thing that worked the best for me was following explicitly the instructions in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. But when, when you talk about the people in the 70s, the 70s, excuse me, do you mean like Joe and Charlie and others? Well, you know, Joe and Charlie and the Golden Slippers and a number of other people were the first people to start taking the book Alcoholics Anonymous literally. Up until that point, you know, people saw it as a historical document with a bunch of stories. And and when they when they did a four step, they did it the way their sponsor told them to do it. And and there was just many, many different ways that their sponsor would tell them to do it. Probably the most common was a sponsor and a sponsee would sit down and they would put together an asset and a liability list. You know, what are your character defects? What are some of what are some of the things that are good about you? You know, and and, and that would be considered a, a four step. You know, uh, when, when Joe and Charlie and and Max Cheater from the Golden Slippers and, you know, Don Pritz and all these guys got together, they started to, uh, go into the text at a level that people really hadn't been going into, you know, since it was written. And, and again, again, you know, I'm all for that because I've experienced what is in, what is in this book, but let's, let's take a look. Let's take a look at what, what they have in here. So as far as manifestations of self, resentment is the number one offender. It says in here, it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Why? Because, John, have you seen people resent themselves out of the recovery environment and relapse? For sure. Yes. A million times, right? A million times. So, Mm. So we need to deal with this. And we need to understand the problem. Another thing that, that was characteristic of me with my drinking is I was always working on the wrong problem. 
You know, so, so I thought the problem was A, so I will apply solution B. I'll give you a for instance. I understood my problem to be I was drinking too much, so I will not drink too much. Now, I'm not seeing the real problem and I'm applying a crazy solution because I don't have the power to not drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's a debacle, right? So what Bill is saying is we need to go underneath the drinking and we need to look at self in a way, in a way that is going to be conducive to spiritual and emotional change. And with that, they, 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 they call it a personality change. They call it a spiritual awakening. What, however you want to describe it, it's a transformational personal experience that enables enables a power to keep me separated from alcohol without me really working at it or trying very hard. So let's take a look at resentment. Now, this is really, really interesting. I'm on page 65 of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And this inventory, this written inventory, Bill gives us an example of it. Okay. And I, I'm going to just go through this really quick. You know, everyone out there can read their own big book. I, I just, I just want to go over something for, uh, for emphasis on how important this is. All right. Let's look at, let's look at what he writes. He writes down Mr. Brown. Okay. Why is he upset with Mr. Brown? Because of his attentions to his wife. So Mr. Brown is hitting on this guy's wife told my wife of my mistress. Not only is he hitting on his wife, he tells his wife about his side thing. You know, that, that breaks every, John, that breaks every bro code there is, doesn't it? You know, you know, like, like diamond somebody out for their side thing. And then Brown may get my job at the office. Oh man. So he's going for the guy's wife. He's blowing up his his girlfriend spot, right? And he's trying to get the guy's job. Now let's go down to his wife. And just real quickly there, I've been on, I think it's Bill C. I've talked to about this before. He's seen it like at conferences. You see uh, shirts that say, Mr. Brown needs his ass kicked or something. That's my favorite shirt. And and listen, doesn't he? You know, absolutely. But 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 we've got to learn more about this, right? So we go down to my wife. Why is he upset with his wife? Because she likes Brown. (laughs) and she wants the house put in her name. So listen to this. Brown is going after the wife. He's going after the job. He's going after the house. And he blew up the guy's side thing. Now, now let me ask you, John, has anybody ever come at you that hard? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) No, no. Like, like, and, and listen, Bill says this resentment, by the way, is the term side thing or side piece? I've heard both. I don't know if it matters. I don't but- know. <laughs> I, I try not to have them, so I don't know. <laughs> but 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 think about it. Like like this guy is going after everything, every every aspect of this guy's life. You know what? How he thinks of himself. And Bill says that even this resentment must be mastered because. Resentments kill more alcoholics than anything else. So can you imagine? You have got to let go of and probably make amends to Mr. Brown. That that is how it's extraordinary this this inventory and the rest of the 12 steps are. That that they they make no sense when you walk into them unrecovered. But this is this is this is a program for overcoming the areas of self that defeat us and and the engine of our drinking and our alcoholism. You, you know, so 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 that's just an example. So when you put down Aunt Fanny, you, you know, you you know, you don't want to make amends to Aunt Fanny because you stole her jewelry because she doesn't know you stole it. Think about think about Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
we we do we we have to really look at this stuff now. I wonder where Bill got the examples from. I'm wondering how much of it's autobiographical and how much of it he just made up from friends he knows. Uh, we pr- we'll probably never know unless it's documented somewhere. But that just came to mind. I you know that's a that's a great question that I've never thought of. Uh, you know, is Brown is Brown an example of somebody real that he changed the name because he did that a lot, mm-hmm. or is it just something he made up? Mm-hmm. But uh. But I, be- I believe this is a person who truly understands how much trouble he's in and the extreme that he needs to go to to be able to overcome that alcoholism and the, and the willingness to make amends to Brown. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like that's 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 big time, and and that will that will cause big time change in the alcoholic. And so. Just to kind of make it more personal, I know you talk to a lot of guys. I've talked to a lot of guys in the program. It, I, you get people to this point, whether it's a man or a woman, whoever it is, and you start talking about these things. And at this point, they start to kind of balk a little because they realize, oh, wait a sec, you know, that fifth step and that eighth step and that ninth step is coming up. No way that I'm going to make an amends to Mr. Brown. Uh, and but but it's, you kind of like have to go back to that point of where we said, remember, we said we were willing to go to any length. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so a lot of it boils down to a true step one experience. Like, like, have you had a, a step one experience? I mean, are you convinced to your innermost self that you're you're a walking dead man unless you can have a, a spiritual uh, revelatory experience? And uh, you know, a lot of people are not at that point. They can't they can't make that admission. Uh, and uh, listen, depending on how alcoholic they are, you know, they might be able to stay sober without making amends to, to Aunt Fanny. But, but, uh, you know, the type of alcoholics I work with, I tend to get, you know, tough cases. Um, they, they need, you know, they need the, they need the real, the real, the real deal with this stuff. They need to, they need to look at this. Now, the second thing, uh, the second thing that we have to inventory is fear. And it, it says fear is an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence is shot through with it. Bill uses this, you know, very frothy language. But what he's basically saying is he's saying every bit of our quality of life has been destroyed because of our self-centered fear. This is another manifestation of self that's defeated us, this self-centered fear. And how it worked with me was it kept me from being where I needed to be doing what I needed to be doing. I was uncomfortable with myself. I was uncomfortable with situations and crowds and, and, and activities and all this stuff. I just didn't want to play. Now you give me a, a pint of vodka and you know, I'm out there on the field, you know, I'm, da- I'm dancing at the dance. I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. But, but, but this overwhelming experience of self-consciousness, what it's done is that self-centered fear and and it's kept me off the playing field you know what i mean like like oh oh you know if i if i if i go back to college and try to finish college i know there's going to be a course i know there's going to be a course i'm not going to be able to pass so you know why even bother you know i i you know i know i should go for this promotion i know yeah but what if i don't get it and i look stupid you know i could give you a thousand examples like that of the evil and corroding thread of self-centered fear and how it's defeated me. And basically what Bill is saying is, is we have this fear because we're running the show. We're making all the decisions. We have our own philosophy, our own code of conduct. We're applying that and it's all blowing up in our face. What we need to do is we need to start living by spiritual principles. When we're living by spiritual principles, we will start to we will start to have faith that a power greater than ourselves is in charge of all this and we're going to be okay you know have you know have no fear just take the next right action and we're able to do that you know so so the inventory is asking ourselves you know what what you know what the fears are why we have the fear and isn't it because self-reliance failed us yes you know so it's a very simple inventory 
I I love how you just sum that up. Uh, it is it is fantastic. You know that basically there's the fear we're living by this fear, but we have to live by spiritual principles, and. And as you know, uh, I, I, I get that, right? I think most people listening will get that. But sometimes when the rubber hits the road and we're trying to implement that, uh, we we fall back into it. But that's why we just practicing this and practicing and practicing over and over and over. Am I right? Yes. It's not the mistakes. You know, we, we are going to fall short in word, thought, and deed every single day. It's not the mistakes that are going to get us drunk. It, it, what's, what's, you know, the, as, as long, as long as we want to do better and we make an effort to do better, we, you know, we're going to, we're going to be provided with relief from, you know, the obsession to drink. It, the only thing that's going to blow up our spot is if we say the heck with all this, you know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, I know I shouldn't be dating the, the new girl, you know, but I'm gonna, you, you, you know, think things like that, uh, uh, blow us up. So, uh, so it's, it's our effort. I think we get an A for, for effort. None of us are perfect. You know, these 12 steps don't render us perfect. They render us useful, but they don't render us perfect. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I'm kind of glad because I, I don't know about you, but I don't like perfect people coming over my house. <laughs> you ever, you ever have a perfect person, John, come over your house and make you look bad? You know, why aren't you more like Harry? He's in law school. He's got a nice girl, you know, <laughs> screw Harry. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, we, we're not attracted to perfect yet. We're, but I'll tell you what, this stuff will make us become useful. Yeah. So and, the last thing and I, I look at it thing- like this, Chris, and that is, I know that I mess up all the time and I'm still practicing this and I'm still a a big work in progress. But if you take a snapshot of me of when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and you take a snapshot of me now, right? Something, something happened, something changed. And that's just those, it's just those little inches that you keep uh, uh, improving uh, day by day. Yeah. So, so we didn't get sick overnight and we're not going to get well overnight. You know, we might have a, a vital spiritual experience that changes our whole perspective on on life and alcohol, but we're not gonna we're not gonna become perfect overnight. You know, this is slow and it's incremental, like like you you say. The only mistake we can make is giving up. You know, uh, when we give up, we can we can be in big trouble. Now, the next thing we need to inventory is three basic things. So we talked about resentment. We talked about. Uh, self-centered fear, which really can be seen as anxiety. You know, it man, this self-centered fear most of the time manifests as anxiety. You know, we get on benzos because we're always, you know, uncomfortable, right? You know, but, but that's what we need to inventory and that's what we need to overcome. The last thing is, uh, is, is our conduct. We really need to look at harmful conduct to others and, the thing that Bill uses as a vehicle for us to look at this is a sex inventory. Certainly, certainly the roaring 20s in New York City were a little bit wild, John. Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't surprise me that Bill coming out of the roaring 20s in New York City is is going to use a sex inventory as as the conduct inventory because, the, you know, that's the most pressing, you know, uh, uh, issues that, you know, he can think of. But, uh, but really this is, this is a relationship inventory. It's a conduct inventory. And how we, uh, how we move into that is there's nine questions as a review, review the relationship. Then there's nine questions that I unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness. Who did I hurt? You know, you know, uh, what should I have done instead? Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of questions. And, and for each relationship that causes you pain in your soul, I believe you need to do this inventory on that relationship. And at the end of it, it asks us to put together an ideal for our future sex life. Our future, so look at it like this, our future relationships. So by putting these inventories together, we have seen, uh, toxic examples of our selfishness. You, you know, I, you know, we've manipulated people, we've lied to people, we've done things that are just horrible just to get our own way. A lot of times in intimate relationships, but we've but we've not been honest. We've not been loving in a lot of these areas. We've just taken what we wanted. And 
and when we have inventoried all this stuff, we, we now understand what doesn't work because, because as an alcoholic, every time I hurt somebody, um, uh, that hurt boomerangs right back on me. Every time I'm dishonest, the pain of that dishonesty boomerangs back on me. And so, so, and I've, I've seen that by doing this inventory. So, uh, so I put an ideal together for my, my future sex life, my future relationships. And that's basically just attributes that I want to bring to the table at the next party. You know, what, who do I want to be at the next relationship? Honest, loving, compassionate, (laughs) you know, I mean, (laughs) it's not so hard to come up uh, with a bunch of attributes that, that are going to be winners. I've seen what the losers are. Uh, I, I want to start implementing the winners and prayer is revolving all around all three of these inventories. There's prayer work while we're going through these inventories. There's prayer work when we're done and we are trying to rightly relate ourselves, not only to our creator, to, to, but to our fellow man. Uh, you know, that's the purpose of this particular inventory. And, and it's transformational. I've seen, I've seen, you know, lifelong transformations come out, come out of this inventory and the next step, which is, you know, share the sharing of that, that inventory. So I did notice you, you said something that I don't, I've probably heard it before, but I just took note of it. You said that there are nine questions that come out of the sex inventory. And I know you're talking about, I'm looking at it right now on page 69. I'd never heard somebody like put a number to it. And I'm assuming you're talking about there is like, you say, you know, who had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Yep. Uh, were we at fault? What should we have done instead? And all those questions. So you're getting these questions off of page 69 to 70. And say, it's one um, paragraph right oh, on page 69. Yeah. And if you number them, they come up with uh, a review and nine questions. That is great. We ask God to mold our ideas or are we subjected each test to, we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? Right. And and that's very interesting. And and as you know, you know, this can be brought into counseling. Uh, It can be brought into many different arenas. Uh, And it's just incredible that Bill came up with this back then and about how it has stood the test of time and about how people use it still. And how transformative it is and how perfect for the alcoholic experience this is as, a, 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 as part of the solution to alcoholism. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he, he truly was gifted with a, a deep level of intuition when he was putting this book together. Mm. You know, I see it time and time and time again in this book. It's, he was three and a half years sober when he wrote this book or something. Right. And, and it, and the wisdom is, is decades of depth of wisdom. There just is. And, and I've not, I've never seen anything that works better for the alcoholic condition than this particular solution applied thoroughly in one's life. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, it was a remarkable piece of, piece of work. And I love how you said, you know, it does say when it starts out the, uh, inventory now about sex, but you also said, you know, you want to make clear that these questions and everything involved in this can be used for conduct in general, like our conduct and our relationships, you know, I mean, for with any relationship I can, you know, it could be with somebody at work, uh, you know, has I been selfish in this relationship or not? Was I really looking for what I could get out? out of this and thinking about others. Um, so anyway, I, I love how you phrase that. that was great. Yeah. Calling it a sex inventory, you know, that, that doesn't do it the justice it deserves. It's a, because you, you can apply this, this to, to people at work. You can apply it to family members. You, you, you know, you can apply it to friends. It's not about sex really. It's not about having sex. It's about, you know, it, it's about how do we, how do we treat these people that were, you know, we're, we're, we're saying that we care for, <laughs> how have we been treating them? And if you're alcoholic like me, you've been treating them abysmally and you know it. And it's just, you, you haven't been able to change. You know, I know, I, sh- I know I should do better. I know, you know, next time I'm going to, you know, but, but you don't, 
have the power yet to change. Uh, the power to change comes from the entirety of this 12-step solution. Okay, so we 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 got through the three inventories, um, and uh, as you know, I, I mean, we're not going to go to step five today. Uh, we'll take that up some other time. Why don't you go ahead and kind of put a bow, if you will, on the fourth step and what you want to say about the fourth step and what it means to you, how you see it working in people's lives, um, and anything else. All right, this is how important. The fourth step is. The fourth step is going to be my first experience in deep, in deep self-examination, uh, productive self-examination. And, and the fifth step, which is my sharing, uh, with a sponsor or a priest or whatever, um, uh, the fifth step exercise is going to include the things that I've identified in the fourth step. And in the sixth and seventh step, when I become willing to have God remove these defects of character and humbly ask God to remove these defects of character, they're the defects of character I've unearthed in this fourth step. That's where they've come from. And when I put a list together of the people or, or the institutions that I've harmed and, and become willing to make amends to them and actually go out and make amends to them, I'm going to be making amends to the people for the character defects that I've identified in step four. In step 10, I am going to learn to watch, to watch for these manifestations of self, these character defects in real time. And I will have an appropriate set of tools for reacting when these defects of character crop up. And I'll learn to, as a way of life, to identify these and take action so that my behavior doesn't continue to harm other people. And then in step 11, I'm going to be doing prayer and meditation in the morning, prayer and meditation at night, prayer and meditation during the day, uh, asking God to help me be aware of and mindful of the, the character defects that I've identified in step four and move toward a more spiritual way of living. That's how important step four is. It's the whole ball of wax as far as applying the rest of the steps. Right. It's a launching pad. Yeah. And uh, as you know, it says referring back to our list again, when we get into the eighth step and ninth step and, uh, Oh, that was well, well put, Mr. Chris. So we know that this thing is important. Uh, and that's why it says in the book, we beg of you to be fear fearless and thorough from the very start. And when you're doing the four step, what I heard you say is you want to be fearless, you want to be thorough, and you want to lace it with a lot of prayer as you're going through the process. Absolutely. Prayer when you begin, in the middle, and at the end. That's right. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so I am going to go ahead and read from page 164 of the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Chris S., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Chris, thank you so much. We're doing a little namaste hands here. Uh, thank you for coming on and talking about Step 4 today. I sure do appreciate it. Thank you for what you do, John. Chris S. wants Again, my friend, thank you for coming on the pod. Uh, you always have great insight, and we will be looking forward to having you back on as a guest in the near future. I know folks will be listening in for that. If that impacted you in a positive way, and I'm sure it did, please take time to Pause your device, whatever sort of device you're on. Click that little share button and get it over to a friend or a family member. That episode may be just what they need today. So once again, thank you, Mr. Chris. Now on to a little bit of 
listener feedback. Jordan writes in and Jordan says, Hi, John. I've been following Sober Speak since pre-COVID. I live in Columbia, Mo, Columbia, Missouri. She said, I found Sober Speak my first year of recovery, 2018, and I have used it ever since. The stories that really resonated, resonated with me are Samara uh, and Dave E's stories. Uh, when I'm having a rough time, I know I can always find what I need to hear on your podcast. And when COVID hit and we all went online, I came to the Frisco group every now and then. You guys were so welcoming. That's cool, Jordan. She says, and I took some of what you guys did in your meetings, along with some meetings from Philadelphia and my home group, the Columbia Young People's Group, and decided to incorporate them into our meetings. Jared M's story also changed the tide in my sobriety. I lost my stepdad to cancer. I passed that message on to Mr. Jared, just so you know, Jordan. He was uh, appreciative to hear it, and also to Davey. Anyway, she says, I was drunk the night he died, and I remember feeling very uh, feeling angry enough that I could have burned the whole world down if I could have. Jared's, quote, not everything happens for a reason, but everything that happens can serve a purpose, unquote, has led me out of some really dark times. Brenda's story was hilarious as hell, too. I've worked in the treatment substance use disorder uh, field since, since 2019, and I use a lot of your podcasts as a group itinerary. <laughs> That's very cool. Or something to build off of and discuss. Thanks for everything you do, Jordan. As Jordan, that is so cool. You use our uh, podcast as a uh, uh, a, a group itinerary uh, and something to build off and discuss. I, I just absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Jordan, for writing in. God bless you and congratulations on your, well, I guess I said about like five years now. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, 2018, if I'm adding right. Oh, well, it's 2024 now. It could be more than that. But nonetheless, thank you, Jordan. Kyle writes in. And Kyle says, hi, John M. I live in Raleigh, Mass, and I have been sober ever since May. I have been sober since May of 2020. I searched for a recovery podcast on the Apple podcast and found yours. I really do appreciate the time you put into this material and push out this and Actually, he wrote it right. I just said it wrong. I really do appreciate the time you take to put this material out. Sorry, Kyle. I've had a hard time. I had a hard time with the way you tend to make up. <laughs> with the way you tend to make up words <laughs> and joke around at first uh, for whatever reason. Now, when I hear your voice starting the podcast, I instantly relax and get some peace. Oh, <laughs> That's cool, Kyle. Uh, this is my favorite recovery podcast, and I have really enjoyed every episode, and I love when you just speak what's on your mind. I really like listening to Randy M. That's a recent uh, episode, and uh, and I have been and I have started listening to the pod, to his podcast this week. That's great. I spend a lot of time in my car for work, and I'm having this great content to listen to throughout the day. Really helps my recovery. Thank you again for everything you do, Kyle. V. Well, Kyle V up there in Massachusetts, thank you very much for running in. And I'm glad you were able to turn you on to Randy's uh, uh, podcast as well. Jim writes in and Jim says, hi, John. I've been following Bill Cleveland's advice lately. Oh, oh gosh, I have to go get that out. Hold on. I need to look at a marker. Uh, I'm not supposed to say his last name, but everybody knows his last name. Anyway, I got to look at it. Okay, hold on just a second. Fine. <laughs> uh, 
20. So I'll go get that out. Uh, hopefully. And if I don't, everybody knows him anyway. He says, you got to, this is Bill C's advice. It says, you got to give it away to even get it. So I'm the GSR from my home group and the district CPC slash PI rep. And I'm heading a search committee to find our home group, a new meeting place. And then he says, whoo, I guess that's how you say that, right? When you see it in W-H-E-W, whoo. Anyway, service work. He says, I'm sponsoring two guys and they are thriving. And I am hosting and introducing the Sunday morning speaker at the South Carolina State Convention in March. So, John, I don't have time to drink. (laughs) Big happy face. (laughs) And Hey, if, if anybody's out there at the South Carolina State Convention, say hello to Jim for me. And then he says, and thanks to my higher power, all of the 10 promises, uh, all of the step 10 promises have come true for me and so many more. As a reminder, I have just reached four years. Ah, oh, man, I remember when you first started listening and writing in, Jim, and uh, oh, wow, I can't believe you have four years. Um, that's fantastic. And he says, since the last relapse after a family tragedy, I remember that, and my program is solid, conscious contact with my higher power. And I'm so thankful for you and Sober Speak, John, and for the richness of my program. I have a little yellow post-it just inside the front cover of my big book. It is the five steps that I do daily for my sobriety. I got that list from David G., his five alive list. Yes, I'm familiar with it. He says, I sign in often to a men's morning Zoom call called Roho Recovery. I've made many friends there and run into some of those guys at the Appalachian Regional Roundup. And through and through some guys on there, I've attended a men's retreat in Louisville in, over the last two years. I learned about Roho from Bob B on Sober Speak. Yeah, I remember. Bob, Bob is on there often uh, on the Roho group, Roho Recovery, and we make sure to say hello. Just recently, I've taken Gary, Gary K's advice on complacency, and I read pages 60 through 63 every morning. Morning and I meditate on it. Gary talked about this just a couple of weeks ago on episode number 327. All of this came through you, sober speak, and my higher power. Very cool, Mr. Jim. Very cool. Uh, I hope you're doing well, my friend. I heard anguish in your voice a few episodes this year, and I started to call, but then I thought, you must get so many calls. Just know I'm keeping you in my prayer. Love you, brother. I pray you're doing as well as you sound. Uh, and then uh, uh, praying hands and Jim, love you too, my friend. Thank you for the very, very kind words. I appreciate it, uh, and I'm doing good. And you know, I try to be vulnerable because I don't want think people to think that it's all happiness all the time, and that's when I share. And I, I am in anguish sometimes, just like all of us. It's no different. I'm just another bozo on the bus, like everybody else, and uh, so that's why I come in and share. And you know, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Mac, and I've heard Mac say several times that you know what? I had a horrible week last week, and if I could remember what it was, I would tell you all about it. hopefully you get that. Like in other words, sometimes the emotional pain and the anguish and all that stuff comes on and then, you know, life happens and and I forget exactly what I was um, in uh, in dire straits about. Um, but I've got a feeling I know which episode you were listening to. But nonetheless, Jim, thank you so much for your for your very kind words and um Thank you for being, thank you for letting me participate not only in your 
recovery and your journey and being a small part of your recovery and your journey. Uh, not only thank you to you, but thank you for all the people writing in and thank you for all the people that are listening in. Uh, God bless you. I know you have so many other things to do with your time and it means the world to me that you guys uh, stop in for a while and get to listen to uh, my uh, nonsense. Appreciate it. Alan writes in, and Alan says, Hello, brother. Looking forward to your next episode today. Oh, he wrote in on a uh, a Friday. And he said, I I messaged, I don't know if everybody knows this out here, but the new episodes always come out on Friday. But anyway, he says, I, mess- I messaged Allison, the woman in the Suffolk County, and she did message me back. So let me explain a little something here. Uh, Double A or AA or Alan A, as we call him, uh, he helps me out with a lot of this uh, 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 prison uh, inmate outreach for people who write in, and I'm so grateful that he that he helps me out. But anyway, uh, he said she messaged me back. Come to find out, she was being released last Tuesday, and I encouraged her to make meeting to make getting to a meeting paramount. She isn't a stranger to AA, so hopefully that is on her, that is on her priority list as a number one or number uno. <laughs> our, our brother uh, Alan here also practices uh, some Spanglish, uh, number uno. And then he says, one of the two guys from Pasco County, Brandon R., is still communicating with me and was supposed to go to court the day before yesterday. Hopefully I will hear from him uh, from the, quote, outside. I hope so, too. And Brandon, if you're listening to this, make sure you stay in touch with Alan A. there. And then he then um, Alan says, I have, pr- I have prayed for his... <laughs> you got to see the way this is spelled. It says, situation. <laughs> He's doing a little French. You know... <laughs> It's weird that there's a lot of people in my company who are from France, and I get on these meetings and I'm talking to them, and I can't stop talking like a French accent all day long. And my wife, the lovely Mrs. M, came up to me the other day. She goes, "What are you, what are you giggling about?" I said, "I'm, I'm talking to myself in French. I just can't stop it." And she goes, "Well, not actual French. You practice what they call Pepe Le Pew French." <laughs> I hadn't thought about Pepe Le Pew in forever, but I guess that is the kind of uh, French that I practice. Contribution, situation. (laughs) Oh, anyway, Alan goes on here. He says, I'm sorry to tell you, but my mom passed away unexpectedly last Sunday. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry, double A, uh, from a massive heart attack. Oh, I was out to see her the day before and all seemed well. We were making plans for her birthday, which was just yesterday. She was turning 78. We spoke of spiritual living quite often and we both trust Jesus as our Savior, so all is good. I am most joyful and that she knew that after all the years with me battling alcohol and drug addiction, that God had changed me. Oh, wow, Alan. Uh, that, that makes me feel both joy and sadness all at the same time. But, oh, man, I'm sorry, my brother. And then he says, take care, brother. We love you and are always ready for the next servant to share their experience, strength, and hope with <laughs> usins. <laughs> he's double A. He's making, <laughs> he's making a, when I say uins, he's, he's making a play on that word and saying usins. Wow, Alan, my, my goodness. Uh, you remind you. You make me laugh and cry, and all in the same email, my friend. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for writing in, and uh, prayers for your mom who is in heaven, and for you and for your entire family. God bless you. All right, everybody. That thar is 
another episode in the can. (sighs) May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I take this thing one week at a time. I hope to be back next week, uh, God willing. And, um, you know, I've always thought if I don't get back next week for some reason, what would I do? I have several uh, episodes uh, in the can. Like I've I've recorded people and I want to get their episodes out there. And then I think, what would I do with these episodes? What would happen? I would feel horrible if they can't be released. But anyway, maybe I could work on a contingency plan. I'm sorry you just happened to be with me at the very moment that came to mind for me. So you get to hear my ramblings. God bless. (laughs) Love you guys. Thanks for listening.